Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football, get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass. Big welcome back to a special edition of Commonwealth Conversations Everyday Minuteman Stories. It's always brought to you by the Massachusetts Collective, and we say it's a special edition because this is the one-year anniversary of the founding of the Mass Collective, and who better than to talk all about what the co- what the collective has achieved than its founder, Patrick McWilliams. Pat, thank you so much for, for hopping on, and, and happy anniversary. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, I appreciate all the work that you've been doing with us as well. We've, I think, done about 30, 30 or so of these and really appreciate all your hard work as well. And, and thanks for hosting us today. Of course. Well, you know, it, it, it would not be, we, I would not be here without, um, you know, the Commonwealth Collective as a whole, or rather, excuse me, the Mass Collective as a whole. Um, how did it get started? What was the sort of impetus for you founding the collective? Yeah, sure. So I was I've been involved in NIL since the the day it started, July first, twenty twenty one, when it when it first became legal, and we signed three athletes to five college movers, my moving company, Noah Fernandes, Sam Breen, and Bobby Trevingo. So I was somewhat familiar with the NIL landscape, and you know those deals were were minor in fashion, but we wanted to get something going right away, and so I've been I've been following NIL in the landscape for you know the year and a uh, year or so after it all started and, and i started thinking of starting a collective around june or july last year in 2022 and talked to a few people about it but um i i found it to be really necessary that we get started before basketball season last year so on october 20th last year 2022 we incorporated in the state of massachusetts and we got the ball rolling pretty quickly got some infrastructure built out pretty quickly and uh, about two months after we we started we had over 150 members and signed our first athlete but i thought it was essential just to get the ball rolling on it and to to be competitive with other schools in the a10 and nationally as well yeah and you know you talk about being competitive amongst schools in the a10 how it is how does the collective stack up right now compared to what you know a Dayton or a St. Louis might be offering? Because it seems like from what we see on social media, there's a whole lot of momentum here that maybe other schools don't totally have right now because of how early you were sort of on this wave. Yeah, I think we have a, we had a good head start and we have 
significantly more infrastructure built out than other collectives. I think money-wise, we're starting to to lag behind a bit because those other schools, the VCU's, the Dayton's, the St. Louis, they have fan bases that that show up and show up in droves for for anything, and they've had a lot of recent success too. So their fan bases are a little bit more apt to to step up and and uh, put their dollars there. But I think our infrastructure is built out significantly better than all the other collectives in the A10. And what thing what we have to concentrate on now is just continue to building our our membership base and in increasing our revenue as well. And part of that is just education towards folks in the area and supporters of UMass and how how important it is to have a strong collective and how this is something like never before fans and supporters can can take over and make an impact like never before. So we, I always am, am following the other collectives in the A10 and nationally every day. So to, to try to keep abreast of the situations and what our competitors are doing. And I try to inform our members about that and the general public and UMass supporters about that as well. So um, we'll, we'll keep on, we'll keep our, uh, our fingers on, on the pulse uh, of, of other collectives as well. You've had some pretty uh, memorable deals in the first year or so, but I think one that I really appreciated was, uh, you know, Turbo's treats with with Sam Breen, who you know was a prime candidate for an NIL deal, but um, you know obviously wanted something kind of unique to her. What was it like going about that specific product? Yeah, that was a lot of fun, and I had the benefit of having a a previous like NIL relationship with with sam and i was familiar with her so and i obviously knew about her dog turbo and everything too so it was easy to to approach her with it we wanted to do a deal with her anyway and we did a separate deal with her but to get that started you know i just i had the idea one one night and it just kind of came to me wasn't really thinking about anything too in depth and i texted sam just said how would how does this sound she said that that sounds awesome and so we got off and running pretty quick with that and it was a that was the most labor intensive and time intensive project that we've done by far because we had around 300 orders in total that we had to ship out individually to everybody over the course of last winter and spring. So shout out to to Bobby at five college movers who um, took on our office manager who took on the task of shipping all those orders out. But that was probably the coolest project from my perspective and deal that we've done so far, just because it was it's always a pleasure working with Sam. She's a great person. And then it it was a, just a great end result in making a, a large donation to take an animal shelter as well. And then going off of that with the women's who's team last year, you you sort of got a, a big taste of group licensing with the the merch that featured every player on the team. What are some of the challenges when it comes to uh, you know operating as a collective? trying to work with a full team rather than just one specific athlete at a time. I think I was kind of spoiled with that one because that was an idea that came pretty late too. I think in late February, I had the idea and I, you know, I reached out to Sam again and said, Hey, do you think everybody would be interested in this? And within a week we had all the artwork done and everybody signed off on it, which, you know, I think that just, shows you how well that team communicates together and, and uh because getting 13 people to approve of 
a deal like that and to and to approve cartoon artwork of themselves too is is pretty challenging so but with that team yeah it was definitely i think the next time we do a group licensing deal it won't be nearly as easy just because that team was so easy to work with and uh they communicate so well but that was a a really cool a really cool project and we hope to do unique things like that in the future as well Obviously, you know, none of this happens without certain people on the UMass side of things as well. But how how much has the working relationship that you have with UMass Athletics and with people in the compliance side of things, how much did that, does that help you on the day to day? Yeah, we when we started, you know, it took about probably a month or six weeks or so to really get the endorsement from from umass it was also new so we knew it would take some time to build up you know a certain level of of trust and then show them our infrastructure and everything but um it's been great working with the administration especially you know chardonnay in compliance uh evelyn simmons in trademark and licensing uh coach martin has been great coach leffler is has been great as well and then working you know with, with ryan Ryan Bamford and and Dave Biancamano has been great as well. So we have a, a good working relationship with them, and um, we're looking forward to increasing that relationship with our new partnership with UMass Athletics and Learfield that is, has been announced already, but the, the press release will go out either tomorrow or early next week, and that allows us to have a couple of different lanes that we can uh, further expose UMass supporters to through our partnership with Learfield and UMass, even on top of the endorsement from UMass. Two big name additions to the Mass Collective um, signing sheet, I suppose, this this last offseason, uh, starting off with, with Josh Cohen. Uh, how has, how, how is it like, what was it like, I guess, reaching out to these, uh, or getting in contact, I suppose, with uh with these new players and sort of hammering out these deals for this upcoming year yeah it's funny actually Jalen's calling me right now so I'll, I'll call him back right after this but um <laughs> so we, we couldn't actually reach out to to the athletes any psa right that's why i changed to, up uh, yeah i changed yeah. up the uh the, the phrasing of the question at the last moment because i remember the rules yeah so any psas have to reach out to us and um i don't want to discuss them too much in detail each one of them but we were definitely involved in the process uh, for both of those, Jalen Curley and Josh Cohen, to, you know, talk about NIL opportunities at at UMass. And um, I'll never say that that NIL is going to change someone's decision uh, or be the the main factor in someone coming to UMass or to another school, but it certainly has to be in the discussion with high level players or, or really any players at this point. So I think that it's extremely important that we had that infrastructure built out and we were able to have those conversations about the opportunities through NIL at UMass. And it's just another piece of the puzzle that absolutely has to be there. And I'm not claiming that they wouldn't be here without that, but I, I think it's very likely that they wouldn't be. And I think everybody will be very proud of the work that we've done and then, you know, see the fruits of that on the court this year with, uh, with two really, really great, great people and, and great basketball players too. And Josh and, and Jalen. Now, there are a couple of some newer partnerships. We obviously had a great conversation about Stash Elite a couple of weeks ago, but also, um, you know, this sort of new relationship that you have with Learfield and, and Veterans Roasters. What are the sort of business side of things that you have going on right now with groups like that for the collective? 
Yeah, so for Stashleet, that's a great partnership. We were the second school to sign on with Stashleet. So for those who aren't familiar with it, it's basically like Acorns for NIL. So you sign up, you can round up um, your daily purchases and donate it to uh, the collective, either on the men's side or women's side. That's split evenly amongst the athletes on those teams. With Learfield, that just allows us to be an official partner of UMass Athletics and UMass Basketball. And so we'll now have radio ads, TV ads during games, tabling opportunities in the Mullen Center. And we're the presenting sponsor of the Just Being Frank podcast. So that gives us other exposures in other ways to get in front of UMass supporters and fans. And, you know, our goal with that is not to just partner with with UMass, but to get an ROI out of that. And for us, that would be generating more memberships and generating more revenue. So although that was a, a pretty uh, pretty large cost for us to partner with Learfield and UMass, that's um, something that other collectives across the country are doing and something that we absolutely needed to prioritize and do. And we will certainly see an ROI on that from just the additional exposure that we'll get to fans who may not have heard of the collective just yet or need that extra push to get involved in the collective. The The last one that you mentioned would be the, the veterans roasters. And that's something that we'll, that we've mentioned somewhat before, but we'll be announcing in the next couple of weeks, we're partnering with a company out of Chicago that's veteran owned, veteran operated called veterans roasters. We'll have a, a private label line of Massachusetts collective uh, coffee that uh, we'll be selling online and also uh, in the Mullen Center and at the UMass store. So the benefit of buying that coffee would be the Massachusetts Collective earns revenue from that. And then Veterans Roasters, which is a, a nonprofit, um, earns revenue from that as well. So it kind of benefits two, uh, two you know, great causes, the Mass Collective and, and, and Veterans Roasters. So we'll have more information for, on that front coming forward, but we're going to do some cool stuff around Veterans Day and then Military Appreciation Night with that as well. Well, as someone who uh, oftentimes goes looking for a caffeine source in the Mullen Center before games start, that's going to be huge for me personally, but also great to see that uh, for the collective. Now, you mentioned um, you know ROI, and obviously finances is a big part of this. Uh, looking at what's happened year one, on the monetary side of things, uh, how where are you at right now? As specific as you want to be, obviously. And then where are you hoping to be after year two? Yeah, so financial-wise, I think we did a good job of... Our, our main goal is to generate monthly recurring revenue from a wide range of sources, really build a good foundation. And so that's just from individuals and businesses that get involved on a monthly subscription basis. So right now our monthly recurring revenue covers all of our, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, player salaries or player allocations for the year. And uh, that number adds up to around $150,000 in total for this year that we have allocated, which I think is a, a, a good number in year one, but we need really need to double or triple it to, to remain competitive. But our goal is to to always build our monthly recurring revenue. I want to double it this year. And then also obviously concentrate on, you know, the bigger ticket donations, the one-time donations, the one-time big checks that you have that you might have come in um, or big commitments. And we've had a couple of those in the last couple of weeks. And I think we have a lot of great momentum from that in year one, the collective didn't assume a single expense other than player salaries. Um, 
I assumed all expenses for, for year number one, because our goal and the goal across the country, the standard goal across the country is to have 90% of the revenue that we can generate, go back to the athletes and about 10% go to operating costs. I knew that realistically in year one, that would be impossible just because as you're starting up, this is a business basically. So as you're starting up a business, you're going to have some, some significant costs in year one, especially legal costs for us. Um, and we have a great legal representation in midwinter. Um, but we assumed, I assumed personally all, all the expenses in year one. So we'll start, the collective will start assuming uh, expenses in November for year two, but those are, they're pretty nominal. They're just, you know, general operating expenses, like for our website, for MailChimp, um, for some legal expenses that will be significantly less this year for our partnership with Learfield. But with that said, we'll be right in that sweet spot of having 10% or less of our revenue go to expenses, which is where we just need to be and is where a responsible place to be. And hopefully we can make different investments in, in other operating things as we go forward that we'll need, like more investments and in events. But we we want to make sure that we stay in that sweet spot of having 90% of the revenue go back to athletes and 10% go to operating costs. And that's very unlike anything else, like a like a court club or something like that. If you donate $1,000, probably 300 of that is used for basketball purposes and 700 is given back to you in tangible benefits. That's just not our model and never will be. Um, so we have to be conscious of that and, and how we operate differently than, than a court club model or, or, or different booster club in that aspect. But I think we're in a great spot so far for year one revenue and keeping our expenses in check um, going forward uh, is important. But the main thing is we just have, to grow our monthly recurring revenue and that's by increasing individual subscriptions and you can join for as little as, as ten dollars a month and i get excited every time i get the email saying somebody else has joined or somebody is up there their their membership base it's huge so even small contributions i, I consider them very big so anything that people can do to to help us increase that is is huge so you've got the board for the women's tube side of things. Um, and, you know, you're you guys are at, you're active on Twitter. You've got the podcast that we have now. Uh, what are some other ways that people can sort of get in touch with you or talk with you or the collective as a whole about sort of what's going on? If people wanted to get more involved in just that sort of monthly donation. Yeah, we're certainly we're still looking to uh, to establish a board on the women's side or a director on the women's side. We've had some people that are interested and reached out, but it's, it's a very intense time commitment. I work probably 30 to 40 hours a week on this for the last year. I don't expect the director on the women's side or the board to do that, but it needs to add up to that to, to, to do it correctly and, and to run it right. So we're still looking for people to get involved on that side for sure. But anybody that, that wants to be involved and, and dedicate, their time, which is super important, or money, they can just reach out to us directly via email or, or our website or Twitter or or anything like that. But we're certainly looking for more volunteers, not just money, but more people that can put in time to to organize things and, and get things done for sure. Obviously, you know, the, the the other side of the the NIL coin, so to speak, is that in this day and age of, of college sports, players are leaving 
after every year. What are the challenges that the transfer portal poses as as far as outgoings go? Because obviously you've seen the great work that can be done with, with incomings, but what about the players who either were in conversations and leave or you know decide to leave regardless of what conversations you guys have? Yeah, there's going to be some things that are just out of our control. And my kind of mantra has always been control what we can control. And NIL has given us an opportunity as fans and supporters to have a lot more control than we ever have in the past. But that still means that we're still going to be disappointed when when some things happen. You know, we, we've engaged with a few athletes last year that aren't here anymore, or we've made – you know, some, some, what I consider to be a big time offer to, you know, RJ, who's not here anymore, but we just have to continue to, to grow and take care of what we can, can control and, and generate revenue and create opportunities and make UMass a more attractive place from the NIL side than, you know, the day before that and in the day before that and keep on and focusing on those things that we can control. Cause I think otherwise, you know, facilities are great. Coaching is great administration as well so i think there's a lot of in the school obviously um i think there's a lot of pieces that are that are uh, are great that are there and we just have to continue improving on the nil opportunities that we can create for for folks and players what are the other challenges as far as um you know how people in the public you know especially i think for for slightly older fans who maybe aren't growing up in this era of nil what are the challenges around education that you face for how important it is for people who might not otherwise want to get involved or understand the importance of getting involved i think that that's something that i have underestimated the education piece of it in the past year I think for me, obviously, I'm so involved in the day-to-day where I know pretty much the ins and outs of it. And I think I assumed folks, especially supporters of the program, would just be you know up to speed on, on what's needed, on what the future holds. But that's something that we definitely underestimated in year one. We did make an effort to do education uh, through various different ways, but that's something that we'll just have to continue doing and doubling down on because it is confusing. And I think a lot of the the media reports and the news that people will hear about NIL are these big blockbuster deals like Utah state players get a pickup truck um, or Villanova has $3 million for NIL for basketball, or, you know, Miami has $5 million for basketball and, and players sign. And those are just like wild outliers that kind of unfortunately control the narrative a little bit right now about NIL and might make people feel like, oh, hey, we'll just have never never have a chance to compete with that or feel like it's just, you know, just completely out of reach. But that just isn't isn't the case. In the A-10 and even regionally and nationally, we can compete with significantly less than that. But, hey, if we ever got to that point, that would be that would be pretty cool, too. So. Of course. And, and this is this is fun. I mean, um people i think especially once the season gets going i think people tend to get bogged down a little bit in the sort of immediate reaction to specific games but this is fun it's cool to be able to get involved at this level it's cool to be able to have a coach or coaches and a a department and other people who are sort of invested in the same thing because i really do believe that in general you know a rising tide carries all ships um but there are some important people uh, on both sides of of this who have been really helpful for you. And I know you wanted to shout some people out, um, but who are the people who have been you know, really important to your mission over the, the first year 
of this. Yeah, for sure. I think in, internally, like within the collective would be, you know, folks like Kevin Rodak and, and Bob McWilliams who have done so much behind the scenes that, you know, a lot of folks just don't know about, even if it's just, you know, picking up somebody at the airport or, you know, taking care of a, a delivery or taking care of something locally for the collective or, or for one of our, our athletes um, or just being, you know, active at events and active in our, in our meetings. Uh, Kevin and Bob have been huge with that. Um, Corey Schneider, who runs the, the Midnight Ride Collective, he's kind of in a position just, he's actually in a position just like me being the director of, of the Midnight Ride Collective and not really having like someone else to bounce ideas off before he started was tough, but we talk every day now on on different issues and different challenges we're facing, different things that we're proud that we accomplished. And we work with all the same people at UMass. So we can kind of, you know, connect each other with people if we don't know who the right person to reach out to. So Corey has been a great resource too and and has been, you know, exact peer for um for football related things. Mike Mannix, uh the coach of Wilbraham Munson, the Commonwealth TBT coach for us. When he reached out to me in February, he just dedicated to about the TBT team. He's dedicated so much time and Javon Farrell as well. He dedicated so much time to the TBT team um, while maintaining their professional careers as well. That really important moving the ball forward there. And then at UMass people like I mentioned before, like Chardonnay and Evelyn, um, Ryan Banford, coach Martin, uh, coach Leffler. And then uh big shout out to Jake Hayden, who is the director of basketball operations now at UMass. He was a GA the last couple of years and the student manager before that. But, you know, if there's anything at, at UMass that I need to get done, and I think we all know that sometimes at a state school, there's a lot of red tape and a lot of no's and a lot of, you know, kind of processes that don't make sense. If there's anything I actually need to have done um, on a very short term basis, Jake is, is the person to call and he's a great personal friend and, He's, um, you know, he's a great asset to to UMass basketball as well, being in that position. And um, I think a lot more people will, will become familiar with Jake in his position this year as uh, director of basketball operations. So I want to thank all those people. And if there's anyone I left off there too, um, you know, I'm sorry I left them off. But yeah, there's so many people who you who you engage with on a day to day, and obviously everyone you mentioned there does such important work and. Also, like everyone on the admin side of things at UMass for specific teams, like that's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that people don't necessarily realize. And the people who work in events at UMass and facilities and ops as well, who sort of keep things chugging uh, as well. Um, for for people who uh, who to have in these before, we've been ending or we've been ending every sort of conversation about with, with the, the same two questions, um, you know, who, which UMass player of all time would you want to take a, a potential game-winning shot and what your dream NIL deal would be? And Pat, I want to know your answer for these two because it was your, you who came up with these questions in the first place, and I feel like we've asked it to just about everyone at this point. Yeah, I, I had a lot of time. I've obviously had a lot more time to think about these questions than other people. And I think for my dream NIL deal back when I was a college student, I actually never finished college fun fact, but um, my dream NIL deal back when I was, you know, a student that was living off campus at UMass would be two of them. It would be with my landlord because we had a real tough time paying rent back then. 
And then the oil company that delivered, because we had oil heat, we could barely afford to have, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name, O'Connell's, I think. Um, so yeah, it would be our landlord and then the oil company that delivered our, our oil heat because we could, um, we certainly needed both and we didn't have a lot of either uh, a lot of the times then. And then for your uh, for your your final shot, who who which player do you want to take this game winner? So I never saw Mike Williams play. Um, yeah, I think he's the most logical one, but I, I never saw him play. So I think that would kind of be cheating. And I thought about this this question a lot today. I'm gonna go with a current player who we haven't seen play yet, but. So hopefully he hits a big shot maybe on the 7th of November or something or in the future. But I'm going to go with Jalen Curry, uh, the freshman point guard. So hopefully that will uh, not put too much pressure on him, but hopefully he makes the big shots in his career at UMass. Without a doubt. Uh, well, congratulations on on wrapping up year one. Is there anything else that you want to add as we sort of wrap up this this one-year anniversary show? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is if if anybody's on the fence about NIL or anybody, you know, is is thinking about getting involved, I think the next step is just to to reach out to me personally or to to join one of our meetings. All of our meetings are completely open to to members and we open it up to the public as well. So if you want to have access to those meetings, just reach out anytime. Trans transparency for me is paramount and I think that that folks and supporters can be involved like never before if they choose to be and they can have a direct impact like, like never before. So just, just get involved on any level that you can and, and reach out to me at any time with, with questions or if you want to get more involved. Without a doubt. Uh, and of course, more content coming up next week and, you know, we're, you know, this is a, a great time, uh, you know, with the season just weeks away. So, uh, yeah, is there if, if there's nothing else, Pat? Uh, thanks so much for for having me aboard. I've really enjoyed the chance to, you know, chat with everyone that I have around the UMass extended, uh, you know, hoops community, not even just hoops community, football community, UMass athletics community as a whole. And uh, folks can always tune in. We've got you know almost thirty of these episodes, um, and many of them are already live on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, Pat, happy water. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, it's Matt Cross from UMass Basketball, and I've got a slam dunk insurance recommendation for you. I'm a Massachusetts native myself, and I know the importance of hometown loyalty and toughness. When I need insurance as tough as me, I choose Amherst Insurance. They've had UMass Basketball's back for decades, and they'll have yours too. Trust me. Amherst Insurance isn't just an insurance agency. They're a part of our community, deeply rooted in Massachusetts values. They understand the hustle, the spirit, and the pride that defines us here. So if you're looking for a hometown insurance agent who's got the same drive and determination as me, it's Amherst Insurance all the way. And remember, when you make that call or visit the NathanAgencies.com, tell them Matt Cross sent you. UMass fans, Josh Coney, the latest addition to the UMass basketball family. The energy here is unreal, and let's not forget UMass football season is revving up, and I'm all in. Now listen up. Moving can be a hassle, but five college movers made my transition seamless. Mention my name, Josh, and you'll not only score exclusive pricing, but tickets to a UMass basketball game of your choosing, courtesy of five college movers. So UMass fans, let's rally for football. 
Get ready for basketball, and when it's time to move stress-free, team up with five college movers. Go UMass.